Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of The Stoop here on Crappy Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Jonathan Raggis. <laughs> Alongside me, as always, JP, he is Jeff the Shark Perini. What's going on, man? Uh, good to be back here on a Thursday night. Changed up a little bit. Uh, missed you on Monday, but uh, as long as John's in good health, uh, we're ready and back for action. Yes, my apologies to everybody, including our guest Ed Roman, for uh, having to cancel the show Monday night. Um, won't get into it, just having some health problems, but I'm doing good. So everything is all well and dandy because it's Thursday night, and since we're going back to some Thursday night shows here on The Stoop, I'm happy, I know Jeff's happy, and hopefully you, the listener, is very happy. And it's NBA draft night, which also makes me happy. Yeah, good, very happy. Good times. Well, I'm happy, man. Phoenix Suns just drafted uh, num- uh, at, with pick number four, Dragon Bender, right out of Croatia, where my family's from. So that's uh, pretty cool. Love love seeing him going to Phoenix. They're going to be uh, they're going to be a nice little team next year, Jeff. Yeah, I think so. If uh, Bender can play ball, looks like some good highlights. Uh, I'm happy that uh, Ben Simmons is coming to Philly. Hopefully, this year we can get a Embiid on the court and uh, got a plenty of size and. Uh, Finally get this team together. It's definitely time. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, for my next two, man, we're going to get to that in just a little bit. But first, let's thank last week's guest, our good friend, actor Dominic Pace, uh, for joining us and also uh, for doing a Facebook Live event while he was live here in the show that has over 1,000 shares and 1,000 views. I mean, it's it was pretty cool of him to do that, man. Yeah, it really blew up. It uh, went over well. I watched it a couple of times. It's outstanding, and uh, he's a great guy, great actor, and uh, really hope the best for him and that he takes off. I see him in a, in a lot of projects and uh, really takes over, man. He's really got a good presence. I'd like to see him uh, get somewhere big. And, uh, Absolutely. Keep us in- Absolutely. And also a little uh, update on him. He got a call back for Ray Donovan, so let's hope we get to see him on the uh, Ray Donovan soon. So that would be uh, cool. that would be pretty cool. All right, man. Well, tonight our good friend – our radical friend from Canada, the good musician, Ed Roman, is joining us tonight. We're going to listen to a few tracks from his brand new album that was just released a couple of weeks ago called Red Omen. We're going to listen to I Am Love and the title track, Red Omen, uh, by Ed Roman tonight. And uh, really looking forward to be joined by our friend uh, Ed. I know you love him, Jeff. Yeah, he's great. The stories are great, man. It's a good time with Ed Roman. And uh, laid back, man. Cool and collected dude and he tells good stories and it's always a lot of fun absolutely but before we get into anything else you know what we do here perfect on the stoop is our top five list and tonight since we're doing a little bit of a uh, musical thing here with ed roman we're going to do our top five favorite summer songs now this doesn't have to be a song that has the word summer in it it could be a song that maybe came out in the summer that reminds you of summer a song that you remember listening to on the beach while you're hanging out with your friends you know, just the song that really speaks summer to you when you hear it, and it just really brings you back. So, Jeff, guess what, man? You kick it off, man. All right. Here we go. Uh, yeah, some songs that just remind you of things that have to do with the summer or just some memories. And uh, I am going to start off uh, with a tie at fifth. Big shocker there. Uh, Lovely, <laughs> day by, Lovely Day by Bill Withers. Um just a total song, Lovely Day, and everything about summer is lovely. Shiny, and everybody's pleasant with the nice weather. And uh, also includes the longest-held uh, note, 18 seconds, near the end when he hits that day. Yeah, it's just a great song, Lovely Day by Bill Withers. Um, awesome. Tied with, tied with Alice Cooper and School's Out. Of course, in School's Out, it's summertime. And uh, as a kid, every year, I would always play School's Out, last day of school. And... Um, just always remind me of summer, man. Love it. And the great Alice Cooper. Uh, number four, the uh, Sammy Hagar days of Van Halen, Summer Nights. Used to love that song, awesome. man. The 16 year old KJ is to pop it in a cassette player, 5150, Summer Nights on my radio. That's all we need, don't you know? And that was it, man. I needed music and I needed the summer, and it was perfect. Uh, number three, uh, pretty conventional one here, a Philly guy, Will Smith, Summertime. I just love it, man. Everything about it, talking about hanging out in Philly and talking about the. Hanging out with his friends and driving and summertime. Great stuff there. Number three, Will Smith, summertime. Number two, uh, Jan and Dean, Surf City. I mean, just a phrase alone, two girls for every boy. And that's every man's dream. And uh, a little surfing, a little sun, a little beach. Perfect. 
Uh, and number one, Margaritaville by Jimmy Buffett. Uh, nice. Ah, oh, nice cold margarita, you know, and you think of like a kind of a, a resort thing where you're just laying out and on vacation maybe and uh, just sipping that nice cold margarita. And, uh, here's your free little shaker of salt. Number one, Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville. Very, very nice, man. That's a that's a damn good list, man. Love those, love those songs. Absolutely, every one of them, phenomenal, dude. All right, let's get to mine. No ties again, man. For me, man, you seem to be taking over with the ties lately. I kind of like the ties. So hard to get that five and and the one you leave out. Tough. Yeah, it really is. All right, man. So for me, number five, "Summer in the City" by Loving Spoonful. Just a classic, classic summer song. Number four, "In the Summertime," Mungo Jerry, man. That's a song, man, I remember listening to as a little kid, man, in my father's car while we were going to the beach. Just always speaks out. Number three, not really a summer song, but this came out in the summer of, I believe, 98. And everybody was blasting it. And every time I hear it, it just brings me back to that summer. Peaches and Cream by 112. Uh, number two, this is a song, man. Now, let me tell you, everybody and their mother was blasting it, driving around the streets of Queens, Brooklyn, the Bronx, Staten Island, Long Island. Uh, if you were cruising up and down Franny Lou Boulevard, you were hanging out in Deer Park. Everybody had this song when it first came out, man, and it was a summer thing, man. It just it just happened to take over the entire summer, and that's Maria Maria by Santana featuring the product G&B. Uh, just the yeah. song, anytime I hear it, man, brings me back to, you know, brings back so many memories of just hanging out with my boys, man, while we're looking for ladies, you know. That's just the way it went, uh, you know, when you're a teenager and you're in your early 20s. But good times with that song. So Maria Maria Santana featuring a product GMB number two. And number one, Summertime, Fresh Prince, DJ Jazzy Duff. I don't know why you said Will Smith, man. It was Fresh Prince, man. It wasn't Will Smith. <laughs> hey, he's so Will Smith now. But I agree. There. Just, that's a great song. But, yeah. I would have to say, that's, that's probably one of the most ultimate summer songs, man. So you, you know when you hear that, even to this day, it just gets you ready for summer, man. Yeah, Absolutely. Awesome stuff, man. Great, great list. So let's... Yeah, go ahead. Uh, no, shoot. Not a surprise. Neither of us got Under the Boardwalk. It was right on the verge. Under the Boardwalk. It, it, but, uh, it was in my runner-ups, man. It was in my runner-ups. All right, so let's recap real quick. Jeff's got a tie at number five with Lovely Day by Bill Withers. Absolutely amazing song. And School's Out by the man Alice Cooper. Number four, Summer Nights by Van Halen. Three, Summertime by Fresh Prince and DJ Jazzy Jeff. To Surf City by Jan and Dean and Margaritaville, Jimmy Buffett takes Jeff's number one spot on my side. Number five, Summer in the City by Loving Spoonful. Four, In the Summertime by Mungo Jerry. Three, Peaches and Cream 112. Two, Maria Maria Santana featuring the product GMB. And number one, Summertime by not Will Smith and DJ Jazzy Jeff. <laughs> Will Smith. Yeah, you know, just so, uh, he's so proper now. Yeah, he's a, well, he's a dumbass. <laughs> I feel like myself going more red foreman on people lately. Yeah, why Everybody's not? a dumbass. Everybody's a dumbass. I like it. All right, man. Now it's time to listen to a track from Ed Roman's newest album, Red Omen. We're going to be joined by Ed Roman in just a little bit. When we come back, we're going to talk about a few things. So for now, listen to this amazing, amazing song by our good friend Ed Roman. And we'll see you in about... Four minutes. Any other human being 
with us all. The scars that you get each day make you stronger somehow in some way. Look for your own truth in your heart when it's told. You know, it may seem like a coda, but I learned it from my baba. It's not what you believe, it's what you do. It's what you do. It's what you do. What you doing now? discussion here before we're joined by Ed Roman in just a little bit. Uh, first, before we do anything, we got to kick it off and send our condolences uh, out to the family and friends of uh, 27-year-old actor Anton Yelchin, uh, you best know him from the Star Trek movies. And man, what a tragic accident this was, man. Uh, something that could have totally been avoidable. Um, and and because of it, we lose a phenomenal actor at such a young age, uh, supposedly uh, I guess he got out of his car to go check the mail in his mailbox, and it was a, a I believe, a Jeep that was uh, ha- had a big recall on it because the uh, the gear shifts were kind of confusing the people, or something was wrong with them, and it happened to be in neutral and it rolled backwards and it just pinned them between the car and the mailbox, killing him. Uh, it's another, sh- it's just a shame, man. I, I 2016, dude, strikes again, man. Yeah, this one's. Uh... This is a tough one and, and the crazy situation of how it took place. And, uh, and it's funny when you say recall, being in the, in the automotive field, you hear that word all the time and people see the message and just ignore it like, ah, it's not going to happen to me. But you got to be uh, careful. There's my my little public service announcement. But uh, yeah, it's tragic, man. Really uh, just a terrible, terrible shame how a young, talented guy falls by the wayside here. Um, it's terrible. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Well, rest in peace, Anton. Thank you for uh, some TV shows and some good movies, and uh, we wish we could have saw a hell of a lot more of you over the years. Let's swing it over to the NBA. Tonight's NBA draft night. We're watching it here at the Stoop Studios. Uh, But before we do that, Cleveland Cavaliers won the NBA Finals just a few days ago, uh, defeating the Golden State Warriors in seven games. What did you think of this series, Jeff? Was this... A rigged series like we've heard so many times over the last week and a half? Was it just the Cleveland Cavaliers just basically dominating? Was it the Golden State Warriors just dying off? What's your opinion on the whole thing? I think the uh, series, for me, in my opinion, um, kind of died out when uh, LeBron started to turn on the juice, and uh, he found himself running space in Steph Curry's head, blocking shots. Uh, Curry got all out of character, the mouthpiece thing, and every time LeBron would block a key shot, Curry's all riled and trying to argue and get in his face. That's not Curry's game. So uh, I give LeBron credit for uh, mentally taking it over. Uh, I think the Warriors just got a little too full of themselves, and Cleveland wanted it more, and uh, they proved it in the end. Rigged, uh, you know how I feel about rigged. You just never know. But uh, 
Yeah. Yeah, it's it's tough, man. But uh, it's Cleveland Cavaliers are now the NBA champions. Uh, LeBron James brings a championship trophy to Cleveland um, after leaving Cleveland, going to Miami and winning there. Um, great thing about that is that he says he's not going to opt out. He's not going to leave because he loves Cleveland so much. My thing is, if you love Cleveland so much, why did you leave in the first place? Absolutely. Yeah, chasing the uh, chasing the dollar and, and chasing the dream and uh, creating that ridiculous group in, in Miami that so many other teams are trying to um, follow on. I mean, basically handing it to them with you know, Wade and, and Bosch, just ridiculous. But, you know, I'm not a huge LeBron guy. People compare him to Michael Jordan, and I just don't think there will ever be another Jordan. But uh, yeah, this year, uh, hats off to him, but uh, – that's it. It's over now. It's, it's uh, like I said. I'm watching the draft. My Sixers getting some guys. It's the Sixers' time. Let's bring a championship back to Philly. There you go, man. All right, man. Let's go into some stuff here. Rob had a big trade yesterday. Oh, my New York Knicks acquired Derrick Rose, Justin Holiday, and a second-round pick uh, from the Chicago Bulls for Robin Lopez, Jose Calderon, and Jerry and Grant. Before I chime in on this, what did you think of this trade, and who comes out the winner here? I definitely think the Knicks. I think it's a tremendous trade. Um, you know, we know that the uh, the injuries have been there for Rose. The guy's still a quality ball player. I was um, doing the pipe dream and hoping the Sixers would find a way to, to make a move for this guy. He's worth the risk. We know he can play the game. Uh, if he can stay healthy, he, he you know, stayed healthy for most of last year. If he stays healthy, a new start, uh, a new team, a new city. I, I like it. I like it for the Knicks a whole lot, and I'm, and I'm not a Knicks guy. I know you are, so this is big for them. I agree. Um what I want Nick fans who are downing this trade to realize that this isn't a team run by Kurt Rambis. It's not a team run by Derek Fisher. It's not a team run by Mike Woodson or even Jeff Van Gundy. This is Jeff Hornacek's team now. Um, it's a completely different system, a run and gun system, and we needed an upgrade at point guard. We got that upgrade. We got a nice role player in Justin Holiday off the bench, and Phil Jackson got the Knicks into the draft where they didn't have a pick. And there's some quality players in the second round. Uh, they got rid of the deal of Robin Lopez, who wouldn't fit in a run-and-gun system. They got rid of Jose Calderon's deal, who pretty much wouldn't fit in a run-and-gun system either at his age anymore. And I believe uh, he, he, you know, his deal is, is, is pretty up there. And Jerry and Grant, who I hate to get rid of, is still just a prospect. Who knows where he can fare? So you can't really say, oh, I, you know, I hate the trade of him because he's going to be great. We don't know that. We know Derek Rose can be great. Yes, he's had some injuries. Last year, he played 66 games, which is the most he's played in, in a couple of years now. But he showed a lot of good flash last season before he went out with that sore knee again. Opposite knee this time. So I think he's going to come back. I think he's going to play some good basketball um, for the New York Knicks. I'm really excited about the trade. And I got to say, hats off to Phil Jackson and New York Knicks. This is a great, great deal. I didn't expect them to pull the trigger this quick to get Derrick Rose, but it shows you that Phil Jackson's not messing around and he wants to get things going. Uh, other NBA trades. Jeff Teague goes to the Indiana Pacers in a three-team deal. George Hill, I uh, can't remember where he goes, but I know a pick went over to the Utah Jazz. And then today, Thaddeus Young gets traded from the Brooklyn Nets over to the Indiana Pacers. This Pacers team is not going to be a joke, man. Yeah, they made uh, some nice moves. Teague is a great acquisition. Uh, Thaddeus Young is a guy I loved when he was here in Philly. The guy's a good ball player. He, I mean, he's not a superstar, but he plays a role. He can score. He can get some boards. Uh, good all-around player. Nice guy to have on the team. So, uh, I think Indiana did some right things. They didn't go nuts. Uh, they picked up some good players. And uh, what they had last year, I mean, they made the playoffs, and I, I thought they were going to make some upsets uh, when they got there. But, no, they're going to look pretty good next year. I agree. I don't know why I said it the way I do. Um, yes, it's the NBA draft night. Yeah. It's the NBA draft <laughs> night tonight. Jeff and myself are watching draft. So let's do a quick rundown of the draft. Uh, at number one, the 76ers selected Ben Simmons out of LSU. Number two, mm-hmm. the Lakers took ben- Brandon Ingram out of Duke. Number three, Boston Celtics, Jalen Brown. That was a surprise, man, seeing the Celtics take Jalen Brown out of California, man. Did you think this was too soon? Because I saw Brown maybe going towards around 9, 10, maybe even 11. I thought it was a little soon. There was guys that there was some power forwards in there that they might have taken a run at. Uh, I know they wanted the swing guy. They they got well, maybe the, the best swing guy available, but I still think it was too soon for uh, Jalen Brown. I think maybe a, a trade or uh, – 
maybe going a different direction by the pseudonym, but I mean, that's the deal now. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. Absolutely. All right, number four, Phoenix Suns takes Jurgen Bender out of Croatia. Number five, Minnesota Timberwolves take Chris Dunn out of Providence. Love this pick for the Timberwolves, and this is the pick that I thought the Celtics were going to do. I agree. I thought the same thing. I thought it was the, uh, you know, when you talk about the best player on the board, I guess it doesn't really uh, mean as much in the NBA as it does in the NFL. But um, And, and here's one here, like Denver gets uh, Jamal Murray at seven, which I think is great at seven. A uh, guy would have loved to have seen a deal made here for Philly, but uh, – this guy's going to be a good ball player. He can play both positions. I think Denver has a great pick here at seven. Absolutely. All right, man. New, uh, New, uh, New Orleans Pelicans at number six takes Buddy Hill out of Oklahoma. Really nice pick as well. Number seven, Denver Nuggets are up drafting right this second. Uh, basically, this pick is the Knicks pick, man. They got it from uh, from New York in the Carmelo Anthony trade when uh, they traded pretty much everybody to the Denver Nuggets to get uh, Carmelo Anthony. And uh, right now, Adam Silver is announcing the Denver Nuggets pick. And as soon as that goes through, we'll uh, we'll, we'll, we'll announce it right here in just a second. Oh, it's Jamal Murray out of Kentucky. Yes, Jamal Murray. Good pick. Good pick for them. Great pick. Yeah, great pick. That, that's a great spot to get him in seventh. Uh, when a lot of people had him going second or third. So that's, uh, that's big. Yeah. All right, man. Well, this past Sunday, Game of Thrones, I know you're not a big fan of this, but it was the Battle of the Bastards as Jon Snow took on Ramsey Snow. Um, absolutely amazing episode. It became uh, pretty much the highest-rated television episode ever. Um, just phenomenal, phenomenal episode. But HBO Now, which everybody is using now to watch their stuff, went out during this huge, huge Game of Thrones episode that everybody was waiting for. So let me ask you this, man. I got rid of my cable. I have Sling TV, and now we have this new thing called PlayStation View, which is about thirty nine ninety nine a month, and you get like seventy five channels, the TNTs, the TBSs, whatnot. I like the stream, and I haven't had any problems with it. Um, I watch episodes a day later. I really don't watch it live because half the time I'm in bed or I'm at work, so I don't watch it live. So my question to you is: um, Is streaming really best? And what do you think of it? Is it something that you you had thoughts of going to? Do you still like your cable or satellite? What's your opinion on it? I, I kind of still like cable. Uh, I, I know the cable companies are just, the, the dollars they charge are insane. And it turns off a lot of people, and a lot of people are getting rid of cable. It To me, it just seems easier, I guess. I mean, it's there. All you do is flip it on, and you're ready to go. But streaming is, is the wave, and that's the way everybody's going. And, they, you know, when they lose out, on quality TV time, like I said, I'm not a Game of Thrones guy. Not everybody I know is, and so for them to miss out on part of it and have it shut down on is uh, pretty long. Yeah, it really is. But see, here's the thing now, too. I feel like everybody's got to watch something live because they think somebody's going to spoil it for them on Facebook. And I'm not going to lie. I signed on Facebook Monday morning before I went to work, and somebody spoiled it for me really bad. I mean, oh. just put up everything that happened in the episode in huge ass cap letters. You couldn't miss it even if you wanted to. Um, <laughs> so that sucked, but it didn't kill me. I'm like, Oh, well I'm going to watch it anyway because I know it's going to be a damn good episode. Now I know at least what happens. So whatever. Um, I, I, I just don't understand why people, if HBO now went out and it came back on a half an hour later, just finish watching it half an hour later. Why is this such a big deal? I, I guess it's really not a, Big deal. I just uh, well, sometimes I like to be closed-minded and not sucked into all the technology. I come from a guy who's looking at a 60, 66-inch 4K TV screen, but uh, you know every, everything is so technology-driven, and uh, I guess you got to keep up with it, or else you'll miss out. Mm. Well, I just got some news. It's baseball news. This will make you happy. Not really, it won't, because it's about the Mets, but. Uh, reports indicate that a Mets Jose Reyes reunion can take place as early as this weekend. Wow! Wow, surprising. Um, I don't know. His play is just just such a sloppy athlete. No real smooth skills. Yeah, he's got speed, but the attitude is there, as I said online. And uh, I don't know. He's going to get another chance in New York. I think it's a, a move the Mets should have avoided. But then again, with, with David Wright out and and it needs something. It needs some kind of something. Yeah, I guess I guess so. Listen, I I I just can't forget the way Reyes screwed the Mets over in his last season here. The way he took himself out, 
wouldn't go up to bat, you know, stuff like that sticks with you as a fan. And, you know, this is coming from a guy who's a huge New York Mets fan. I live 10 minutes from Shea Stadium, now City Field. Um, you know, when you root for a guy and then he pulls that kind of stuff on you and you're the one paying these high prices for tickets and for food and whatnot, um, and then he pulls something like that, his ass belonged out there. He should have been out there. He should have been batting. No matter what, whether they were heading into the playoffs and it was all safe or not, he should have been out there batting. You don't take yourself out just because you got a record, you know, after the first or second inning that he was batting in. You don't do that. You know, to me, he slapped the Mets fans in the face, the ones that rooted for him, then he jumped off for some big money. And now look at him. He's a shell of his former self. He didn't have any good season since he left. Really, he hasn't. So Not really. I don't know how I feel about this. I mean, listen, if he comes back and he makes amends somehow, helps the Mets win, I guess that's the only thing we can hope for as fans of the game, you know? So You'll be, you'll be kissing his ass. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. Nah. Oh, come on. All he right, comes man. off and he hits uh, 300. Come on. <laughs> yeah, right. Jeez. All right, man. Before we get to our guest, man, let me ask you this. Weirdest couple ever. Tom Heidelston, a.k.a. Loki from the Avengers, and Taylor Swift are now some kind of an item. Is that the weirdest couple ever? Because to me, it feels like it's the weirdest couple ever. It's pretty weird, but uh, we are forever going to live in a world where uh, – Lyle Lovett married Julia Roberts. And I don't think anything ever beats that. I mean, this is weird, but that is the weirdest. Still. And I'm not a uh, huge Julia Roberts guy, but come on, man. Lyle Lovett. I got to say, you know what? I, I don't know if that's the weirdest or the whole Michael Jackson, uh, Lisa Marie Presley thing is. Well, that lasted a couple of days for a reason. That was pretty bizarre. But uh, you pretty yeah. you saw the publicity in that. This thing is uh, this is weird, but that, that Julia Roberts thing, man, that blows me away. Yeah. All right, well, let's get to our guest. And joining us right now is our good friend straight out of Canada, Ed Rome. What's going on, Ed? Hey, how's it going, guys? What's shaking? Hey, Ed. What's up? Is that Jeff? Yeah, man. Good to hear you. Good to hear you, too. How are you, Jonathan? We're doing great, man. Thank you so much for joining us once again. And uh, we're going to be talking about your new album, Red Omen, that just came out a couple of weeks ago. And we got a chance to listen to it here, and we absolutely loved it, man. Oh, thank you kindly. You know, uh, I'm happy to bring uh, people some new music. It's been a couple of years, so and a, a wild ride, I might say. So uh, yeah, it's it's ripe. It's it's time. It's red. Yeah, awesome. So let's talk about that real quick. Like I said, it just came out a couple of weeks ago. It's 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 pretty much flying up the charts. What has the experience been like since releasing it? Uh, great. I mean, hey, you know, it's only been a couple of weeks, but the response, like you said, has been overwhelming. I mean, there's been some great ratings coming in on the country charts at uh, 27 and 17 on some of the pop charts in the U.S. That, yeah. I think, says a lot. That translates. Um, you know, I, it feels good. I mean, you know, I'm just happy to be writing, man, and always, and I'm always writing. And I, I, my my addiction is playing. You know, I love yeah. playing for people. I, I It's something <laughs> I've been doing since I was a kid. It's my release mechanism, man. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, the, the album is, 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 a, is a fun-filled journey of, uh, of stories and, and crazy things, man. Yeah. No, it's a good album, man. We, we have, listen, we just listened to I Am Love, which is, is just a, it's, it's an upbeat song. It's got a great message. Take us into... The whole process of that song, um, you know, what's it about, and what was the experience writing it? Well, you know, Wavy Gravy once said, "There's always a little bit of heaven in the middle of a disaster area." <laughs> yep. And, and you know, as people, you guys both well know that we go through emotional bell curves, whether it's family issues or you know things that we're dealing with. And I was in a funk, you know, to tell you the truth. It was like I got to get myself out of this and. People often ask me, well, where do you write tunes? You know, well, I don't, I don't know always where a tune's going to come from. But, mm-hmm. you know, the idea that I needed a mantra at that moment to, to get me into the idea that why I do what I do, why I've always felt like I've needed to kind of play music and push out this vibe. And it's not about me saying that I'm love. It's it's the four-letter word that we all wield every day in, in Sometimes carelessly um, saying to me, you know, like man, it's it's a radical thing to 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 be uh, love right now. The message is, 
is is L O V E, you know, and the record is punctuated with that word, with that idea, what love is, what we hold on to, what we consider to be love, what isn't love. Um but it is upbeat. It has a, a, a funky vibe and it's it's trying to tell you to let go in, in some ways of certain things to 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 bad practices that we have as humans. We can't help but sometimes react to to crazy things when they happen, but it's important to like you know put the proverbial gear shift in neutral before you you know start heading down into first, second, third, and jumping right into fourth before anything bad happens. And, yeah. and my my experience as a human lately has been well when I try to do that and try to figure out what's happening, my approach seems to be stronger than having just a negative approach. Yeah, you think this is something that people are forgetting? Is you know the whole positivity and love, especially in today's world. Hey man, like what? There's many people that have talked about it. Many, mm. not just musicians. It's a philosophical concept. The basis of Christianity is based on what this is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, is it? Yeah, in a weird way. But I think it has to do more with our living environment, what we're continually bombarded with. Um, every day of our lives, and it accelerates that fight-or-flight mechanism. Even today in Canada, CBC released an interview with Paul Simon talking about the exact same thing. And, you know, I remember, like, reading it in social media, and I was like, yeah, that's kind of where you were just, you know, heading down that path, man. It's like... And that's, you know, know, the, the record is also, like, suggesting, look, we're human, too. So it, it, you know, we we like I said, we can't help but not react to the, those negative things. The, the 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 hard thing is to restrain yourself to understand what's going on because, like I said, you you'll start to realize that there's more power in the restraint than there is in the violent action. Mhm. Mhm. Interesting. So let's uh, get back into the uh, album here. The name Red Omen. Where did it come from? <laughs> Artists, man, they're like musical file cabinets. You know, they're 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 always getting ideas from somewhere. There might even be something in there that pops up from your childhood. You never know. And uh, I was walking into a club one day, and a buddy of mine went, "Red Omen," and I was like, "What, 15 or 18 years ago or something like that?" But it stuck in there. When I was writing that tune. I was trying to tell a story, you know, not only about a bunch of people I know, like Mike Stover and Ken Segrist, and, but also a little bit of, about me, who I was. Like, I mean, the opening line in there was, you know, did I ever tell you about this kid that I grew up named, you know, Red Omen? And, and it, you know, there's a line that says, a plutonium spaceship lunchbox, that this kid had this lunchbox. <laughs> well, my, my dad had worked for a uranium mine, and, you know, this is 1970s, so there was like no bubble wrap helicopter parents kind of a thing. And yeah. I, it, some of it ended up at our house, and I took some to school in a lunchbox for show and, t- show and tell. Oh, my God. And, you know, it was like, what is this? And I'm like, it's uranium. And the kid's like, wow. And the teacher's like, get out of here. You know, like, but but that that was me. You know, I just didn't, you know, I didn't get it. I thought it was just cool. This, you know, neat rock came home. And I thought I'd take it in the show, you know. like So the, uh, that's where, like, even the ideas for, for me come from. Like, even with people. I might be talking to you right now, and I might be writing yeah. something because of our conversation. So, mm-hmm. the, And obviously an anagram is a play on my own name. Red also, man, is like a, a duality symbol, a color, duality color. It's a frequency. You can actually be measured with a, with a device called a, lock, uh, a, a Lockheed Martin spectrograph, and it gives off a certain tone. And, mm-hmm. and red can, in nature is like, well, hey, man, you see that berry over there? We can eat that. And at the same time, it's like, no, that, that thing over there is poisonous because it is colored red. We even use red, in, in our, you know, stop sign, it's red. Uh, an omen can be taken both ways too. One person can see it, one situation as a bad omen, and others be like, "No, man, in my country, that's a good sign." Yeah. So, you know, it, it's all dependent on our environment and again our experience. It, it once again is trying to illustrate that idea that it's a matter of choice and experience. And and and, and for me, I'm just having fun with it, talking about Jimi Hendrix and going to Machu Picchu and you know all that crazy stuff. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this: Why? Why did your father bring home uranium? <laughs> <laughs> well, 
<laughs> well, you know, it, my my like I said, it was the seventies. My dad had a cattle uh, import export business. He had yeah. a bunch of samples. They were in his trunk. You know, kids the way they are. You know, I tried to drive the car down the road when I was five. You know, things that are that were like that. I was like not a wild kid. I was just very you know precocious and curious. Let's just say. Yeah. That. And I took one. And they didn't know. It's just like the time I ended up in the back of an old station wagon, and my grandmother called the police because she didn't know where I was, but I didn't tell anybody I was hiding under a blanket in the back when they'd driven away to go to this <laughs> doctor's appointment. And I was like, you know. So it was like, it was, it was like you know, oh, no, what happens now, right? Like, yeah. So And and my grandfather, people would come over and be like, hey, the kids are really well behaved. He's like, yeah, when they're sleeping, you know, like kind of a thing, right? That's hilarious. That is so funny. Oh, man. So let me ask you this now. So Red Omen's out. Um, it's flying up the charts. I'm sure the Ed Heads absolutely love it because we do here. So what's next for you after this? I'm cutting. A, I'm making a video for that. I'm putting together as we speak. It's being edited. And oh, nice. I'm, I'm going re- to be releasing that in the next couple of weeks. I'm going to just do a promotional video before that happens. Um, and then, actually, I'm planning on doing a bunch of these video vignettes for every song on the record and, and putting them out uh, over the next, like, six months kind of a thing to a year. I don't know if you guys heard, but the uh, I signed a, a licensing and distribution deal with Nub and Orchard Records. So there's talk of me going to Europe and playing in Europe as well as I plan on getting back nice. to New York again and Philly and hopefully Boston and man you know I just like I said I, <laughs> I love playing so whenever I get a chance it, it you know I'm I'm in baby That's awesome man well when you come to Philly man you got to let us know so we can come see you I'm in I'm in That's awesome That's awesome stuff So now let's talk about that is there any upcoming events any any concerts that you're doing anytime soon or Absolutely. July 1st, which is Canada Day, and it's right around the corner. I'm right here in the beautiful little town of Terra Nova at the Terra Nova Public House, and I'm playing the Canadian anthem the way I learned it. There's this big hoopla going on right now about changing it. And I, you know, some things like, you know, I like to bitch and complain about a certain amount of things. There's some things yeah. that I don't think that we we need to, and at the same time, it's just like, look, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, Jack. So, you know, for me... Everybody's on this kick of like, <laughs> you know, political correctness and all those kinds of things, which I, yeah, I get it. It's important. There's a sense of decorum we need to have as people. But, you know, the, it, it, the, the actual act of changing it is, is, is an oxymoron to begin with. Even the lyrics themselves, you know, are, are talking about Aboriginal people, yet in many ways we don't protect our Aboriginal people here. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so uh, it's kind of like you know, uh, you know, the pot calling the kettle black, if you will. So I'm yeah. playing that Ala Jimi Hendrix as loud as I possibly can. You're nice. probably going to hear it from about a mile and a half away, and <laughs> uh, and and you know, I'm just happy to be <laughs> playing and jamming and having a good time. So I'll be there July 1st. Everybody in Canada, come out. That'd be awesome, man. I wish we could see that, man. Somebody's got to videotape it and get it on YouTube so we can see that. I encourage it. Awesome, man. That's crazy, man. So they're trying to change the anthem in Canada? Yeah, like, look, you know, that's the thing. It's like that's the whole rumpus is the political correctness of the lyrics, you know. Our home and native land. Our native land. Do you know how many Aboriginal people that I've met and i played on reservations with an African band? And trust me, I kind of know what's going on. The blind eye metaphor, a lot of people going through a lot of trouble, social issues especially. I have a lot of artist friends that go up to those areas that try to teach art to kids so that they can sort of get into self-expression and stop huffing paint behind, you know, old buildings and things like that. All of that is, is like I said, you know, oxymoronical. And how how much more can you make it politically correct? And for me, here's the thing. The guy that actually wrote the melody wrote the melody long before the lyrics existed, like a lot yes. of tunes from the past, okay? Yeah. Now, here's the thing. If I were to analyze that tune for you guys, okay, it's a basic, if we look at do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do, okay? Mm. The notes that are in that anthem, in our anthem, touch not only on all those notes, 
But they also touch on the flat five, which is in the blues scale. It's got the sharp six in it. It's got the major seven in it, like it's in the diatonic scale. It kind of has all these cultural tones that aren't normally in, let's say, an anthem in some way. It's very well constructed in terms of the color thing. And, and So here's the thing. To me, it represents well, just like the United States and Canada. United States is the cultural melting pot. They say Canada is the cultural mosaic. It, it, it exemplifies exactly that, even from somebody that wrote it many, many years ago. So like yeah. I said, it's more, it's more tied up into the fodder of like, okay, let's be politically correct with everything to the point that you disappear with your head up. You're doo-doo. The reality of it is, look, man, <laughs> I'm playing it the way I learn it, whether you like it or not. It's not – look, they changed Hockey Night in Canada. That ain't the same anymore. And now when I watch opening th- – like, it's like, okay, it's different now. But I grew up watching the – you know, da 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 And I was like, yeah, Absolutely. you know, how, you know yeah. but now it's just like you changed it. There's, that's even happening with movies for me, man. There's certain films I won't see because they're remakes. And people are like, yes. well, it's really good. But I'm like, you know what? Hitchcock did it. He figured it out. He knew how to play with your mind. He didn't need any digital synthesis. He made you scared shitless to go into a shower for almost five years. You know what I mean? So for me, I don't, need the spe- I don't need the special effects. It's about the language, the character development, and a, and a good script, right? Oh, man. That, that's awesome that you brought that up because Jeff and I, we talk about the remakes of movies and, and, and music and, and whatnot often here. And you basically, you can't, make anything perfect if it's already perfect already that's how i feel well and you know too i i talk about this with mike jack because he's a history buff too and it's like the thing about it look man you we're old enough to like look say we were like seven and we're kicking at the house at like christmas or thanksgiving and your grandparents are there, and maybe your parents are doing something in the kitchen with your uncles and aunts or whatever, and your grandparents are going through, like, the old movies that they used to watch, right? Well, okay, yeah. aside from the fact that maybe they were made 60 years ago, there's something else that's really cool sociologically that's going on. First, one, you're connecting to that older generation and what they thought was hip. Okay, maybe all kids at that age may, may or may not think it's cool. Two, by getting into that and sort of observing it at least and trying to absorb it, you're starting to see a part of history in terms of filmmaking, types of acting, types of script writing. There's an educational process in understanding what that stuff is from the past. And to keep mm-hmm. remaking it in this envelope over and over again because like, oh, no, man, you've got to see the shark. Now it's digital. You know, no, I, I got it. When I, and that's the thing. <laughs> Some of that process is the beauty of why those films got made that way. You guys, you know, if you ever see like the outtakes for Jaws or whatever, right? And they're talking yeah, about oh, yeah. how it got made, and John Milios is talking about writing the script and great interview mm-hmm. with Robert Shaw and all this stuff. And you're like, mm-hmm. wow, this is really cool. But Brucey, the shark that you know everybody was making jokes of that they couldn't get to work properly, kind of didn't start working till near the end of the shoot. So Spielberg yeah. and Milios were forced to kind of change things in order to adapt the the movie so that really only in the last 23 minutes of the film do you see the shark. And the whole time the suspense of what that is is building. Well, you see the fin a bunch of times, but not the full-on, you know, Roy kicking back, you know, you're going to need a bigger boat moment. So, you know, for me, too, that's that's also a big part of it. And it's like, well, yeah, okay, you remade it, man, okay. But, like, it doesn't cut it for me, you know? Maybe I'm old school that way, you know? Mm. Well, I know. I mean, I, I just feel like if you grow up on one thing and they keep constantly remaking it, you know, you can see the flaws in it so much more than you can the original stuff. I mean, that's how I feel with a lot of the Ray Harryhausen stuff from years ago. I think some of that <laughs> stuff is just still perfection today. And then when they try to remake it and they put all the digital enhancements into it, it just kills it for me, man. And, you know, half the stuff I don't even want to see anymore. So. Oh, and, and there are amazing filmmakers that are doing stuff today. Look at the Coen oh, yeah. Brothers stuff. Look at Terry Gilliam. Like, I mean, you know, when I see something that those guys have done and the, the humor, sarcasm, the dark sarcasm uh, in humor, the, it, it's so well played out and thought out. And that's the thing. We don't need to, like, I mean, people say to me, and I've said it before, it's like, well, you know, millions of dollars were made on B-movies. And that's, to me, what the whole remake phenomenon is. 
in many yes. ways. Because like mm. you guys know as well as I do, man, there's some great script writers. There's some people with some wonderful ideas. They just need the shot. Mm-hmm. No, it's the truth. You know, we, we were just talking about that last week with our guest is that, you know, if you look at the big budget movies, they're pretty much just playing it safe by doing these remakes. But there's so many great independent script writers and, and, and producers and directors that have these amazing scripts that pretty much don't get the play that they deserve. So hopefully one Well, day. yeah, and that's the way, you know, yesteryear's, you know, Hollywood and or films or, you know, even Broadway stuff was all, you know, happened was because of that, you know, embracement. It's even the same thing with music and, and the art form itself. I mean, you know, like, you know, you think about like somebody like John Hammond, I mean, putting together the, the the folk festivals that he did, they weren't just like Joan Baez and Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. No, man, on the same stage you had like, you had Count Basie, you had uh, Hugh Masekela, Jimi Hendrix, the Mamas and the Papas. Those Montrose festivals were like, or Monterey festivals were unbelievable. But it was that cross melding of ideas. So you think, man, there was like how many people from what wide variety spectrum of people that were all listening to diverse. Stuff, and I think that's healthy. I have, you know, it, it, there's more cross pollination that way. There isn't the stagnation factor. Mm, can't agree more, man. All right, man. So uh, we're, we're going to get to playing another one of your tracks in just a second. But before we let you go, man, where can your fans and people who just love to hear new music that they've never heard before, where can they check out and purchase Red Omen? Okay, edroman.net's the place you want to come. That's my website. You can get the CD there. I'll even sign it and send it to you. But look, distribution is where it's at, too. So in the U.S., don't forget about CD Baby. They're my buds. They'll have copies there for to be able to send directly to you. You can get it there digitally as well. iTunes, Amazon, it's all over the place. You can check out a bunch of my older stuff on SoundCloud. Uh, Facebook and Twitter and YouTube, you can get directly through my website. You know, uh, listen to the stuff, man. You're gonna love it. I guarantee it. Oh, it's, uh, we we love it here, man. And we're gonna. I'm I'm just happy that uh, that Mike sent me uh, some of the tracks, man, because I already have some of them on my M- on my MP3 player. I've been listening to them for the last few days, man. So, hey, hey I, I got a question. Just, you, you guys shoot. got a way to spin vinyl? I'm working on that right now, actually, as we speak. I'm just about and, to order a brand new vinyl, man. All right. So now, in, in, at home, you got to what you spin some vinyl at home sometimes. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm printing. A, there's a run of vinyl going to be coming. So I, don't forget to flip me your your mailing address because I'd like to send you gentlemen a, a couple copies. Oh, that absolutely, awesome. man. Yeah. That's awesome, man. We'd appreciate that because that'll be yeah, played man. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the Wolfman. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, man. <laughs> All right, Ed, man. Thank you so so much, man. And listen, right. we got to get you back on again, man. Always a pleasure, gentlemen. Thank you so kindly for having me. Thank you, man. Have a good night. You too, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. And that was musician Ed Roman, man. Listen, Red Omen is a phenomenal album, and the title track is even better. And before we get to listen to that, man, number 11, Orlando Magic, DeMontis Sabonis, whose father is the great Arvita Sabonis, just got picked by the Magic, man. Love this pick. Yeah, great pick. Uh, nice to see uh, Sabonis in the background pop, you know, with the glasses on and uh, this kid's a good ball player. I hope he uh, hope he makes it big in the NBA. Absolutely, man. And it's funny, man. You know what? Arvidas was such a phenomenal ball player, man, so before his time. It's amazing that you see these big guys now doing what Arvidas Sabonis did 20 years ago, man. Yeah, absolutely. He was a, kind of a pioneer of um, you know, the uh, Europe and the Russian players and the Croatians and all that. You know, before his time, nobody thought he'd ever make it here. And he came here and uh, had a pretty good career. Yeah, he was one of the pioneers. Absolutely, he was definitely. I, I would say, I would say the the big pioneer of the European player was Drazen Petrovic, and then once he got into the league, got over to the Nets. That's when you started seeing other players start coming to the league, like Arvidas Sabonis and Dino Raja and Tony Kukoc and all of those phenomenal European players. But man, could Sabonis shoot? Could he pass for a big man? And now you're looking at guys like Porzingis, Dragon Bender. All these guys that can do what Sabonis did 15 years ago, it's crazy how much he co- probably could have dominated today's NBA, man. Yeah, it's him. He didn't get here uh, sooner. Remember, he had to, like I said, he didn't come here right away, a little later in his career, but uh, 
he's a good ball player and did a lot that the guys nowadays are doing and uh, definitely one of the pioneers of, uh, of his type, his type of player. I'm trying to think. I know he's he's 51 now. He didn't come to the Trailblazers until I believe 95. So he was up there, man. I think he was already pushing. He was in his 30s already. Yeah, he was. Um, yeah, got to be. I think, think 31, 32. I think by the time he got here. Yeah, and he still plays the 2001. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Decent numbers. Good old Arvidas, man. All right, man. So let's play another track by uh, Ed Roman, and it's the title track for his newest album. Here is Red Omen. Lunchbox and a bathtub full of Legos. And I didn't believe you when somebody said that he fled with Jimi Hendrix to a UFO top eight camp up on Machu Picchu. Up on Machu Picchu. I said, Excuse me, it's not my fault. He's playing the drive so he can't get caught. I said, Excuse me. I must confess, well, give me two words. Well, in my defense, laughing mad. I'm laughing mad. Laughing mad. There's a red hot stove down in Pittsburgh going out hard like a cherry pie. Call me a liar, say it to my face Like a cross between Benjamin Franklin and Ian Payson And I didn't believe the man from MI6 Living out in the sticks Who souped up his side by side Like evil Knievel Just like evil Knievel I said, excuse me It's not my fault He's playing the crime so he can't get caught I said, excuse me, I must confess Well, give me two words Well, in my defense, laughing mad I'm laughing mad I'm laughing mad Laughing mad Shattered, tired, tattered, beginning to fray Just like Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz Realizing only now you're caught in someone else's claws And I didn't believe in myself if no one else To be making voodoo music in some small town Way up in Canada Way up in Canada I said, excuse me, it's not my fault Playing the crime so he can't get caught I said, excuse me, I must confess Well, give me two words Well, in my defense, laughing mad Well, I'm laughing mad Well, I'm laughing mad Great song, man. And that's Ed Roman, title track from his newest album, Red Omen. Phenomenal stuff, man. Seriously, Ed's such a such a good, positive guy, Jeff. Man, I, I just love having him on with us all the time. Yeah, great stuff. And um, 
You know, he says interesting things. I'm just thinking of that song. He uh, compared a guy to a cross between Benjamin Franklin and Ian Pace. <laughs> Ian Pace, of course, drummer of um, Deep Purple. So that, to me, yep. that's just hilarious stuff. That's great. I love it. <laughs> Good old times, man. Well, thank you, uh, Ed, for joining us tonight, man. We'll definitely have him back on here in the future. Um, so let's talk about our next few guests because we got some uh, in- incredible guests joining us. Um, Monday, June 27th, actress Deborah Foreman from Valley Girl, my chauffeur and real genius is going to be here with us. And potentially on July 14th, it might change Thursday, July 14th is actor Peter Cambor. Um, you remember, you'll probably know him as Nate on NCIS Los Angeles, Barry on Grace and Frankie, the Netflix original, or as Milo on the new Showtime series roadies. Uh, he should be here Thursday, July 14th. If it changes, we'll let everybody know. Um, actress Erin Hayes will be joining us Monday, July 18th from Adult Swim's Children's Hospital and from the new CBS show, Kevin Can Wait, starring Kevin James. She plays his wife in it. Uh, phenomenal actress. We can't wait to have her on. And then July 25th is also Monday actress Diane Franklin, Monique from Better Off Dead, as well as The Last American Virgin and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is going to be joining us here live on The Stoop. We got some amazing guests coming up, man. We got a really big one coming as well. Uh, can't wait to be able to announce this. We're just uh, pretty much uh, confirming a date right now. But once we do, it's going to be a good show, man. We're up onto that next rung of the ladder, Jeff. Yeah, we got some amazing guests coming up and uh, some that I've just loved forever. Uh, you know, Deborah Foreman, we talked about that. Just uh, great stuff. Looking forward to that show. And um, we're getting it, man. We get great guests on. And uh, just like tonight with Ed and last week with Dominic Pace and. Uh, there's so many great people coming to the soup, and everybody's got a good story to tell, and we love having them. It's just great to do. Great, great time. So once again, um, this upcoming Monday, June 27th, actress Deborah Foreman from Valley Girl, my chauffeur and real genius, will be joining us here live on the stoop. A huge thank you to our good friend, Ed Roman. Um, and please check out his newest album, Red Omen, at edroman.net. And a big thank you to Michael Stowe from MTS Management for uh, just being a great friend to us and to the show and always hooking up with his amazing, amazing clients who are just all absolute, absolute class acts. Uh, We can't ask for better guests than them. So um, on that note, I think it's time, Jeff, we go watch some more of the NBA draft. What do you think? Uh, Yeah, just so um, last pick, uh, Torian Prince, uh, Girlfriend's got a little, uh, I hate to say the name, but his girlfriend's got a little Mia Khalifa thing going on there. That was uh, a <laughs> one. <laughs> wow. Oh, um, man. Maybe it was Mia Khalifa. Hey, maybe it was. Yeah, she uh, finds her way around. Um, real quick, a um, congrats to uh, one of our former guests, uh, Sagan Amory. Uh, her new band, Hail to, Hail to Sagan, I mean, uh, Hail Sagan, rather, released a uh, new video Monday that. Uh, premiered and congrats to her that's great stuff new music coming from her and uh we love when all our uh when all our guests uh get somewhere and make it big and uh so we're rooting for her and uh everybody else ed and his new stuff and uh we're up for it we like new music um so here we go don't know if this is a a false trade um you'll be seeing it soon don't know if it's bad but the thunder have just traded Serge Ibaka to the Orlando Magic for Victor Oladipo, Ersin Eliasovl, and the draft rights to DeMontis Sabonis. Talk about a monster trade. That's big. That's real big. Um, yeah, it looks like it's uh, actually popping up right here on my screen. Magic first-round pick, proposed trade with Thunder. Wow, that, that's huge, really. Now, let me. Now I, I have to say this. Ibaka next to Vucevic is just phenomenal. Um, but does this push Kevin Durant out of Oklahoma City Thunderman to get rid of one of their better bigs and bring in Victor Oladipo, who needs the ball to be effective, as well as Ersan Ilyasova, who's more of an offensive big guy? I think um, I think Durant's uh, move is inevitable. Um, I think the, his time in Oklahoma City is, is done. I hope not. It, it's a small-town team, a big-time player. Um so they made the run this past year. They had a chance. They got close. I'd like to see him stay there. But this, like you said, this may be the move out. Yeah. Come to New York, Kevin. Come to New York. I, I hear All right. Something, something. What? Is that a voice? All right. Well, once again, thanks, Ed Roman. 
and join us Monday with Deborah Foreman. Really looking forward to that. So for my boy, JP, this is JR. We're out. Yeah. Good night, folks.